We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA Front Office Show. Today is November 14th. It's amazing how quickly this month is already flying by. I looked and went, oh my gosh, it's Thanksgiving next week. It is absolutely insane. But I don't even like, I'm still planning what we're even going to do for Thanksgiving. And it's coming up on us right now. In addition to a bunch of NBA basketball, it feels like this month has just been a whirlwind. Yeah, it really has. I said to my wife uh, this morning, actually, we are uh, uh, just sitting down and we, we were like a little lull in the morning uh, activities. And I said, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? And she was like, oh, my God, that's next week. And we were in the same boat as you. We were just like, uh, OK, like, I guess we got to start talking that and figuring all that stuff out. Thankfully, it's uh, Thanksgiving is a little bit more of a low key holiday for us because it's just uh just us and low key, not low key uh, holiday. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we'll watch some Loki. I don't know, but it's uh, it tends to be um, you know, just us. So it's it's not a big, big deal. But I kind of like that because then we just get to hang out and uh, do some stuff and you know, watch some football and eat and all that good stuff. But yeah, man, it's it's like the month's gonna be over before we know it, and then you know, we're we're the, everything's just moving too fast th- this year. It feels like see in my house, we're already full on Christmas mode. That I mean, I we, I threw away our our jack o' lanterns just two days ago. So <laughs> I mean, it's like it, it just feels like everything's moving at warp speed. Um, it'll be Thanksgiving and same thing. We're not doing anything exciting. We're just going to be hanging out and uh, and then we'll be on to Christmas time, which will be a little bit more exciting. Got family coming into town, all that kind of stuff. Nice, but, nice. But I'm sure our viewers and listeners don't necessarily want to hear about all of that. And if we do have anything bonus, we'll. Uh, We'll throw in some scheduled nonsense at the end or something like that. So let's get to some NBA news. And let's start out with the news that didn't quite make it into yesterday's show. And that's that uh, Mike Malone got a contract extension with the Denver Nuggets, which makes all kinds of sense. Win an NBA championship, get a contract extension, right? Goes goes hand in hand. So um, good on Mike Malone. Do you have the details on the, do we know how many years the extension is good for on this? I have not seen. I, I seen will uh, t- take another look uh, here and see. They're they're getting to be very kind of quiet on, on these types of things. Let's see. Uh, all this says is it will make him one of the highest paid NBA coaches. Okay. So that's from from Woj's article on ESPN. So not nothing beyond that. So yeah, my my guess is probably two three year extension on whatever he had left. Yeah, that's um, and, and that's pretty standard. So yep. good for good for Mike Malone, good for the Nuggets again. They've been obviously their plan worked out. We talked about this last summer, summer before last, about how they were very in on this team. They were committing to this team moving forward, um, and that if things didn't go well, they were going to be kind of stuck with the team that they've got. Or if they do go well, they're going to have they're going to be well set for the future. Uh, obviously, things went very well for them, and uh, they continue to be a, a very very good team, potentially playing like the best team in the NBA right now. So no slowdown for the Nuggets, and they're going to keep this thing moving right on forward by keeping Mike Malone long term. Uh, do, do the Nuggets have the potential to be to become a dynasty? Yeah, it's a good question. I, it's they do. I like. I, I should just answer uh, very simply that they yeah. do because they have Nikola Jokic. He's going to probably have at least I would say four or five great years left. They have the ability to probably keep 
three or four of those guys around him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be able to keep everyone. And that's going to be what's going to, I think, answer some of these questions about dynasties moving forward is can these teams afford to, one, can they afford it just truly with the penalties and the tax penalties and everything? Right. And can they build a functional roster with all of the restrictions that come in if you are a tax team and then an apron team and then a second apron team? Uh, are you going to be able to continue to add pieces? Now, they draft fairly well, usually, in Denver. So as long as they keep hitting on late 20s draft picks, uh, they, they're, they're probably going to be okay because you just kind of keep reloading that back end um, there. But if you if you miss on a couple of those, you're not necessarily going to have the ability to go get those guys in free agency, and that's going to be the challenge. I don't know how many teams we're going to see come in and have a Warriors-like run. And I know that's a little kind of off because they had those couple bad years mm-hmm. uh, where they really bottomed out but it, it's still to me that's been like a what now we're in like year eight nine of, of that run maybe even uh, starting to approach a decade long as they kind of came into prominence so i i don't know how how many teams are going to be able to do that just because i don't know how how you're going to be able to keep those teams together so that's what we'll be tracking over the next um really two three four years uh, of this cba how much does that break these sorts of teams up and do they get enough years in quick enough when they're cheap enough that you can really extend this window versus does it break up very very quickly you mentioned like a warriors type run part of what made the warriors run so great was that you know, they took the gamble on Steph Curry, who at the time had ankle issues, and they yeah. went ahead and signed him to a deal that wound up being a way below market value deal, and that helped them building out their roster from there. For example, they're not getting Kevin Durant if Stephen Curry is Correct. making what what he should. So that's part of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, with uh, as you mentioned, the new CBA rules coming in, because what tends to happen is when teams win, those players get paid. You get yep. rewarded for it. And so as they become more and more expensive, will that ultimately caused them to have to make some difficult decisions and, and we'll see but i mean Jokic still a, still a young player still a dominant dominant player. you look at his stats they, just, they don't look particularly with jamal have you looked with jamal murray out and they're yeah. running even more of the offense through Jokic? crazy it's, it's video game numbers that he's put up it is absolutely insane and anytime like you got two, him you can build something incredible 200 plus touches oh. over a two-game span which is almost unheard of like they just know nobody really gets that, especially at the center position. So that's like a whole other other thing uh, with that. Speaking of the Warriors, yeah, that's very the Warriors. And you know that takes a lot of shine off that game with the Wolves. That yeah. was one I was I was really looking forward to tonight. It's a in season tournament night uh, in, in the NBA. So let me, I'm going to diverge. This wasn't a show topic, but I want to ask yeah. you about it. Do you feel like there's a little more juice on these in season tournament yes. nights? I'm so glad you said that because that was something I wanted to talk about on today's show. And as I was going through, you know, the uh, the social media world earlier today, I saw people talking about kind of the in-season tournament a little bit and mostly talking about the floors, right? Because that's what we what we talk about. Um, but I I do think, right, uh, people were not happy with the in-season tournament, right? The whole idea of it, they didn't feel like feeling like the in-season tournament idea was just being shoved down our throats and you're seeing advertisements for it everywhere and the you know the um the courts are making it inescapable that you are watching an in-season tournament game, right? Your retinas are being burned out. Um but if the end result, right? Even if if you don't care about the tournament at all, if the end result is the players care even a little bit more, and I do think we're seeing the intensity ramped up a little bit in these mm-hmm. in-season tournament games, isn't that a win? Yep. Right? I mean, isn't that what we're what we're looking for? Like, okay, hey, maybe you went too far with the floors this season. Next season, right? <laughs> you, to, you, you know, we take our foot off the gas pedal a little bit on those, and that's fine. But if players are going to treat this with a little bit more enthusiasm than a typical regular season game, that's all you can ask for. I mean, that's what we've been saying about the All-Star game, right? Like, if the if the players care, then we'll care. It seems like the players care about this, to at least to some degree. So I'm going to care about it then, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on it. I think thus far it's been really successful. Like, I find myself 
on the morning where I'm kind of planning it out. And I'm like, oh, it's in season tournament tonight. Like, okay, good. Like, there's just a little something extra added. And and for me to feel that way, when I'm going to watch it anyway, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, what else you do? I'm going to watch these games no matter what. It just, that to me is like, that's working. Now, we'll find out, right? I think the early returns are more people watched the games. Now, how many of those more people checked in because it was like, let's look at these crazy courts because this is absolutely nuts. Oh, we've got, we've got a little bit, a little bit of actual, a little bit of something here. Just, just enough for, (laughs) uh... I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. According to Shams Tarania, NBA teams are probing the availability of Bulls two-time All-Star Zach Levine, and there is increased openness from both sides about exploring a trade. Both sides. Well, the Bulls are one side. Shams isn't always the best with words sometimes when he's when he's writing stuff. <laughs> so yeah. I, I do. Did he either mean to include another team in there? Or well, is I'm he guessing he's saying general? both sides are the Bulls and Zach Levine. Oh, and Zach Levine. Okay, yeah, are open to exploring a trade. Yeah. So Zach Levine is the other side of this. Okay. Point, your point holds true. Okay, yes. well, let, let's do um, this then, Keith. Why don't I talk a little bit about what a Zach Levine trade would mean for Chicago while you skim the article there, and you can give us kind of the Cliff yeah, Notes version perfect. on it. So for right now, again, this is we were talking in-season tournament, but this is the world that we live in. We've got the 24-hour news cycle in the NBA, and we love it. But Zach Levine, if he is indeed out on the market, this would signal that the Bulls are potentially looking to head into a rebuild, which a lot of Bulls fans have been asking for. They want some type of direction. Zach Levine, obviously, is a guy who makes a lot of money. He's a guy who has suffered a lot of injuries over the course of his career, but he can also really, really play. This guy can absolutely fill it up, and there's a lot of teams that would be looking for a player with his skill set. Now, this is where the new CBA could come into play, though, when you look at adding on the kind of salary that Zach Levine offers off the top of my head. I know he's over $40 million this season. Let me head over to Spot Track and see exactly oh. how many years he's got left on his on his deal here when I pull up the multi-year summary. Yep, $40 million this year, $43 million next year, $46 million the year after that, and then a player option for $49 million. So numbers and that... Go ahead, Keith. 15% trade bonus. Ooh, and a 15% trade so bonus on top that of that. that makes that roughly, what is that, about $6 million for this Ooh. year, if I have that right. 1.15. Yeah, that'll be about just over $6 million and change this year. Now, he won't get all of that because he, he would actually only get about 800000 of it because that would bring him up to his max salary mm-hmm. uh, for this season. But there is the potential that that could factor in. So we will get a little bit more money uh, with that. But yeah, I mean, that's for just doing the totals on that. That's four years, 178 million and change uh, left on Zach Levine's um, contract here. So 40 million, not super easy to move in season, but, you know, definitely could be, be in play for sure. So the bottom line is that if you're going to make a move for Zach Levine, you've got to be very convinced that he's the guy that's going to get you to that next level, that he's the guy that you want. This isn't this isn't the type of situation when you look at his contract where a team's going to say, well, yeah, I'll take a flyer on him and let's see how it works out and then we'll go from there. No, you've got to be really committed to he is the piece that we want if you're going to go get him. Now, I do believe there are teams that are going to say, yes, we want this guy. This is a piece that we want, even with the salary moving forward. It may limit the Bulls' return a little bit, depending on exactly who is out there bidding for him. I mean, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? But teams are going to have to make a significant commitment if they're going to get Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. And then that begs the question, what is it that the Bulls will be looking for? Um, Keith, I I know there's some stuff coming out on social media right now. Do you have anything for us from us from the article in terms of details? All it says in the article is uh, Bulls and Zach, same thing as the tweet, right? Both sides are increased openness to Mm -hmm. to exploring a trade. Uh, Shams notes that many of the NBA's 30 general managers are in Chicago, uh, which they are there for the Champions Classic, which is like a major college basketball event Uh uh, where some of the very best teams are playing, which means some of the very best prospects are playing. And it's a good chance in the NBA schedule where it's early in the year that these teams get out there and anytime 
the, the, the general managers will tell you for them, they like these events because they can catch, you know, sometimes 10 first round prospects all in the same building um, all at once and just, just see them all. Uh, then he just notes some of his stats and how the bulls are, they, they've struggled this year. Uh, then there's a second piece about the players only meeting off opening night, which we already talked about. Yeah. And then it basically says Chicago, which largely is running things back. Um, would like to bring back DeMar DeRozan, but they're, they remained apart on years and salary in a potential contract extension. And DeRozan wants to see where the team goes before committing to an extension. So that's, that's kind of a newer part, I think, yeah. to the reporting piece um, with the DeRozan part of that. So it's, um you know, I, I think we're in a spot where uh, this Levine stuff is, um, it's, it's not unexpected the way a normal team would run. It's mm-hmm. unexpected the way the bulls run because the bulls generally have been, eh, we're just going to ride it out. And if we're, you know, 41 and 41 in a playing team, that's good enough for us. And that's where we want to be. I, I welcome this. If you're really going to say, Hey, let's tear it down. Let's start over. Let's you know get draft capital and everything else. So we can get in there. I'm with you. I know while I was skimming through that, you were commenting on, if you're going to get Zach Levine, you have to really be like, all right, this is yeah. what guys going forward. Yeah. You're going to have to outlay a significant investment in trade, both in outgoing salary and in uh, draft capital to get him. This is not going to be a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert type of return. Right. Pick wise or Kevin Durant or any of the recent monster pick. I'm guessing you're probably talking a couple real first round picks that have to go out. And then obviously a bunch of matching salary because you're going to have to get up, you know, close to 40 million in matching salary to make this happen. So, so we'll see. Philadelphia immediately jumps to mind as could mm-hmm. be. They can match the salary, not today, but in a, another month or so. I guess another, yeah, well, yeah, a month and a half when all those guys they got from the Clippers are eligible to be re-aggregated in a trade. So that could be just enough time to to make something like this work. And Daryl Morey, we, we kind of weren't going to talk about it, but he made comments recently saying, hey, we're probably not going to get the number one free agent guy who's yeah. our dream target. And he expounded on that's just not really how free agency works anymore. So then he said, you know, but what we want to do is go get somebody. And he, and again, kind of reiterated, Hey, we may not actually use cap space. We may use some of that flexibility early, which is something we've already talked about them doing. It would make a lot of sense. So, so yeah, I'm I'm curious now to see what this means. I, I don't think you're going to get the massive bidding war for Zach Levine like you could see with like when it was clear, all right, Kevin Durant's going to be traded. Uh, right. You clearly had a bunch of teams jump in. I don't know that that will be like that with Levine, but I think there's a definitely a possibility that you get four five six teams which then that only works in the bulls favor because that increases the value they can get back yeah and that's look i i'm really curious you know when you mentioned DeRozan, if you're trading levine that should end assuming you're getting future future capital that should end your desire that really should end the desire for both sides for both DeRozan and and the bulls to come to an extension there um, so I, I think all of this is is kind of hinging upon everything else, right? And then uh, there's a bit in there about Nikola Vucevic being kind of at the forefront of players not being happy with the offense, too. Again, I don't expect to see this happen tomorrow. This would probably be a post December fifteenth type of trade once you have a lot of these a lot of these guys become trade eligible that sign new deals over the summer. But I think the Bulls need to figure out what it is that they want, and they're going to use, in my mind, probably the next few weeks here to figure out for sure what do we have, what do we not have, what direction are we going, and then go that way. If it's we're going to try to win, okay, let's re-sign DeRozan or extend DeRozan, let's keep Levine, and let's go see what we can do. But if they continue to struggle over the next couple of weeks, then I think it's going to be, hey, all right, let's make the tough call here, put him on the trade market, see if we can move him post-December 15th, Damar, thank you for your service. We'll find a trade for you if we can. We're not going to do an extension. And then maybe Vucevic could get on the market as well. I don't know if they make all of those moves here at the trade deadline. They maybe a piece winds up staying or whatever. And then you see like maybe Vucevic gets moved over the summer or something like that. But I really think the Bulls, you can't be, you can't trade Levine and get future draft capital and then say, here, Damar, here's an extension. You've got to go all in one way or another. Yeah, 
completely agree. If you half-ass this, you you blew it. Like that that's just not good enough. You if you're gonna move Levine to your point, move like then really start. So here's part of potentially why you do this now, this year. The Bulls have their own draft pick this year. Next year, they they have a top 10 protected pick. The year after that, it becomes top eight. And this is to San Antonio, oddly enough, from the DeMar DeRozan trade. Uh, then another year, a top eight. And then it turns into second round picks after that. If they they haven't uh, sent out, it might actually only be one second rounder. Um, no, it is. It is two um, with that. So, no, actually, that's from another trade they made with them. So, yeah, never mind. One second round pick. But anyway. So if you do it now and you bought them out, you're going to keep your pick because what you don't want to do is, crap, we tried to bottom out and we still ended up like 11th. And then it starts to become a little bit of a challenge with that. So here's your other thing. If you're the Bulls, when they committed the Vucevic extension, Mm -hmm. which was honestly fine value for him, that was when I remember you and I talking about this on the show saying, what are we doing? Like, we're just... We're just going to run this back because that's really what they did, as Shams also notates in the article. And it really feels like who who didn't see this coming at the in the course of the offseason? Like, I don't know anyone who wasn't like, all right, I mean, I guess like maybe there'll be 45 wins Mm -hmm. as like a ceiling. No, I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, this 50 win team and off we could go. What I would like to see them do, tear it down fully. It is to your point, I think you made before, it is hard to envision trading Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic all in the same summer. Yeah, that's a lot. That's probably not going to happen, or all in the same couple months here before the trade deadline. So you may be, all right, we're going to drag one into the summer and see where it goes. And and that's where, oh, he's picked up, you know, he's he's picked up a back injury and we'll see you in a month or whatever, you know. Yep, yeah, kind of almost the Dame Lillard, right? Which yeah. now there's a maybe that Dame calf thing was a little more real because he's actually missed time with the Bucks too. So I think it was probably real, but if they were fighting for a playoffs, he probably plays through it. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. So your challenge becomes then is, all right, now we're left with Lonzo Ball's contract because he's going to pick up that player option barring something super unexpected. So we don't even know that he'll ever play again. Mm-hmm. So that becomes, all right, well, that's $21.4 million on the books. And then we don't really have anything else, pending what you bring back in these trades. And you're clearly going to try to get young players, expiring salaries, um, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, becomes super interesting as you you uh, you know, look at what you could return on all of this. And, and DeRozan's contract, too, pretty tradable, $28.6 million. That's not too hard to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a number, he's another guy. They're certainly not going to get both of them. He's another guy that I could see making sense for Philadelphia, where it is, yep. hey, let's bring him in. Kelly Oubre Jr. is out for a little while. DeRozan's essentially a souped-up version of Oubre, um, even at this stage in his career. Plug, plug him in there. You've got enough shooting around them, I, I think. I think you'd be okay uh, to play him. You could use you know, one more score, one more player. I think I'd like maybe Levine a little bit more there mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to take on you know, more long-term money. But, yeah, I, I don't know. And then Vooch, that one becomes a little harder because you'd have to really – we'd really have to start combing through all right, who could really use this center. Need, right. Yeah, that's – that's you know, you need him, right? That 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 becomes – that might be one, too, where, hey, let's let this run for a little bit and see, and maybe that's a closer to the trade deadline type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, Chicago, hopefully they are – you know, moving towards picking a direction again, my, and this is simply my guess, but just based on the way the NBA calendar works, I think if you are going to make a Levine trade, it probably needs to be post December 15th to yep. open up a lot of possibilities. Not impossible for a team to do it now, but I, as we mentioned, some of the more motivated teams to do something like that probably won't have the ability to do it until December 15th. So probably take the next few weeks, see what happens, kind of field some offers, get some feelers out there on what could come about. And then post December 15th, again, doesn't mean it's going to happen December 15th, but after that, the conversations can start to get real. This could wind up going all the way up until the trade deadline. And then the bulls say, Nope, we're just going to keep them. And they pull a Toronto Raptors. Oh, that's, that's definitely within the realm of possibility. But I think Chicago, if they weren't already, they become the clear leader in terms of teams to keep an eye on prior to the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, last thing I have for this, definitely, definitely, definitely flood Trevor's timeline and mentions and it already email is. and everything with can they bring the UCLA product back home yep. to Southern California? Because he wants nothing more than to talk to you about all the Zach Levine possibilities. My my t- my timeline right now is <laughs> do you think we have a shot if he's somehow still available come December 15th uh, and it's all comments like this what oh, even would be this I mean I guess you're talking Russell and Hachimura and well, I don't know yeah. that's probably not worth getting into yeah Russell Hachimura throwing a young player and then yeah. picks and stuff but then uh, but also just serve a as a of, reminder uh, Jared Vanderbilt not trade eligible so let's just yes. take that off the table it's also a lot of uh, bring back Alex Caruso. <laughs> yeah. That's well, that, well. What's odd, there's a world where Alex Caruso gets the kind of best value return for the Bulls in a trade. Yep. Meaning, Levine, you might have to take back at least one salary where you're kind of like, eh, all right, we have to to make to make the trade math work on it. Where Caruso, like, that, his contract's so low, anybody could go get it. What's wild about Caruso's deal his contract is um is uh only partially guaranteed yeah, for next season at three million, which is just kind of crazy. Um, you know, that the Bulls got him on such a good value contract uh, when they did. But yeah, they, and at, the, at the time the Lakers said no, that's too much. Yeah, yeah, because well, I mean, the small market Lakers they're so struggling dumb. to pay tax bills and all those things there. So <sighs> all right, we'll move on. Let, yeah. Let's let's go to the next news story, but uh, this was fun, right? We haven't yeah. had one of these in a little bit, so I'm, I'm I'm excited. We get to react live to a report right right here together. Yeah, always a good time when uh, Will Ferrell can uh, break some Anchorman news for us. Um, I don't know that the Bulls fans agree. It was horrifying, though. I think they're probably thrilled. About no, they're this, they're right? probably thrilled. They're probably <laughs> they they're probably happy. Um, okay, so we were before this before we got interrupted by Joms. Um, we were talking a little bit about the in-season tournament yes, and what that meant. And now we've got word that Netflix potentially could be interested in streaming the in-season tournament. Now, Keith, we, we've talked about this a lot. I don't, I don't care what provider it winds up on um, or, or the NBA winds up on. I just don't want to have to go to 50 different places to, yep. to, to find the games. Ideally, I want to go to one place. And Keith, I can't tell you how many people I've heard from this year that are so upset with the blackouts that the NBA has been, has been utilized. I mean, I'm hearing from people in the Midwest that are blacked out for three teams, teams. They aren't even that close to, yeah, that's crazy. and they're, and they're getting blacked out because they're not like, if you're in LA, I get, you know, they black out the Lakers, they black out the Clippers, but people who are just kind of somewhat close to like three or four different teams. And they wind up with all of these teams being blacked out. And I mean, close, like hundreds of miles. Right, not like they're really nearby. So, if Netflix is going to get the in-season tournament or whatever, fine. But let's just put everything in one place, please, and and get rid of this blackout nonsense. I know we're a long ways away from accomplishing that, but that's what the fans want, and I guarantee you, people would pay more in order to get that. Yeah, my real issue with all this is one. It's got to be accessible and easy yeah. to find, which is that encompasses the blackout rules and the other things there. And I just don't want these two games are on Netflix while the others are on League Pass. Yep. And I can't get in it. Then I have to launch the Netflix app one place and you can't toggle channels. I I, I toggle around on uh, nights when there's you know a lot of games happening. I, people have seen I've tweeted it out. I like my game mix channel on direct TV, mm-hmm. but that's. I use I watch that at parts of the night and then I try to all right I'm gonna pick yo all right this one's coming down the stretch it's close I'm moving over to that game and go I don't want to have to oh that game's close all right let me launch Netflix and and go just because that's gonna make it messy but reality is they're gonna go where the money is um yeah. the, the exclusive negotiating window right now remains ESPN and Turner with the NBA through April in April that lifts and then that will turn into they can start to talk to all kinds of other people and all that. And they're, they're going to. We know. Now, one of the things, this was off of a Sports Media Watch. Uh, John Lewis wrote the, this article here. And he said one thing, which I would be very in favor is Netflix has an idea of maybe we do like a Drive to Survive type series about the NBA and the in-season tournament. I dig it. Which people are super into that. I, I, know, I, I can't tell you how many people I know that watch F1 now. 
because of that series. They'd never watched it before. They watched that series, fell in love, rooting for and rooting against people in, in that series. And now they watch the races and they're all about it, you know, all the time, which is, you know, just kind of wild. So, hey, if you can bring in a whole new uh, era of NBA fans by creating some kind of docu-series about the league, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm certainly going to watch it because I'll watch anything like that. That's behind the scenes stuff. So, so we'll see, you know, how all this comes together. But the NBA is, they're definitely going to explore some alternative rights stuff that is not traditional ESPN, TNT, kind of what it's been for the last, I don't even know, what, 20-plus years at this oh, point? Wow. Got to be pretty close at least because I think it was uh, uh, pre-LeBron uh, when those kind of became the two uh, teams or two uh, broadcasters of choice. So so we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I th- this is interesting at least, and it's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, – money coming in and that's why everybody's going to be all in favor of it and i'll tell you this i i you know last year i was one of those people saying hey what the hell when thursday night football i'm looking for it everywhere on tv and i can't find it and then i find out it's on amazon prime and i'm like wait so i have to get amazon prime in order to watch the nfl and all this kind of stuff i was annoyed i complained guess what now i have amazon prime now i'm looking through there all the time watching other stuff too on there and everything so it worked in that sense, right? Like I, I fell for it. So as much as I may complain now, but hey, NBA wants to put stuff on Netflix. If that's where the money is, that's that's what they're going to do. Um, but again, just from hearing from so many fans, I'm, I'm hopeful that eventually something will change uh, and we'll get, at least just get rid of the, the, if we have to watch it five different places, we have to watch it five different places. But let's get rid of the blackout, blackout nonsense. That's, um, it's so... People are often are constantly looking for workarounds to try to find ways mm-hmm. to watch games because they're like these are fans who want to see the product and are willing to pay money to see the product. Uh, they just don't want to pay crazy amounts and can't do it because of this blackout situation. Well, can't can't do it. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, it's, it's just antiquated. That's yeah, really what that's it down to. We're not. We're not in a position anymore where somebody looks it up and says, well, can't see it on TV. I guess I'll buy a ticket and go to the game. It's just not going to happen, especially in those places where, like you said, you're hundreds of miles away. Now, I get it. Like, there are some things that are completely out of the NBA's control because they're FCC-related things. Sure. And there's laws around, hey, if it's available here, we can't then make it available this way too, because that's going to eat into whatever you know, else it is. And that runs into all kinds of other laws and all that stuff. But yeah, we're, we're it's it's 2023, about to be 2024. We we can be better about this and make it better. If I'm, you know, I, I met somebody in Tampa uh, this past weekend. We were down there and they were like, yeah, I'd like to watch more Magic games, but we we don't have cable. And I can't mm-hmm. see the magic on lead pass because Tampa is considered to be in Orlando's market uh, for the way it works. So they get blocked out and they can't watch it because they don't have uh, cable in Bally sports and all that as Bally looks like probably going away at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's half your teams. It's time to let's start progressing this in a little bit of a different direction. All right. Speaking of, you just said half your teams. Well, soon there's going to be some new teams coming in. And Montreal has expressed interest in NBA expansion. Keith, I think we should preface this, though. Yes, the NBA is expanding. Vegas and Seattle are far and away the the front runners to get teams. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I would be shocked if it was anywhere else. But that doesn't mean that other cities aren't going to raise their hand too and say, yeah, we'd, we'd like an NBA team. And then maybe that comes up next cycle. Or do we potentially see more than two teams brought in? Is that potentially something? Now, not all at the same time, but maybe that's a, a potential avenue that the NBA could explore. And then what are your thoughts on Montreal itself as a, uh, as a destination? If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, to the first part of the the whole expansion things, and this came out of I I think it was me just sharing what Adam Silver said on the Celtics Knicks broadcast last night. I think that's where a lot of this play came out of. And now it's not like I got some incredible scoop. I just tweeted what he said um, on, on the broadcast. But he was there. Why he was actually there was uh, if, for those who don't know, Mike Gorman, who is in his forty third season as a play by play guy for the Celtics, is retiring. Uh, this is his final is season. I did not know that. Yeah, he's yeah, he's retiring. He only does home games now. Um, so he's he's retiring at the end of the season uh to to you know just be, be done and you know enjoy his retirement age. Uh, but 43 years is you know that's a hell of a run um you know at the the play by play for for a team. Uh so that's why Adam Silver was there was to you know wish him well and to mm-hmm. you know see him. But it turned into just an overall conversation. They talked about the in-season tournament. Uh, he, Adam Silver, even kind of nodded to, yeah, probably went a little too far with some of the courts. But he did, like uh, Brian Scalabrini mentioned, he was out to dinner at like a sports bar and looked up and he's like, oh, it's in-season tournament night. And he could tell because on all the TVs, they had NBA games and all the courts looked different. So he's like, it just was a good visual reminder without mm-hmm. any audio or anything. But that's a whole other thing. So then Scal asked him, he's like, hey, so expansion, like what's going on? You just played a game in Mexico City. You know, what does that look like potentially there? And Adam Silver basically said, very much paraphrasing, but there's a couple of U.S. cities that we want to take a look at first. Obviously, we all know. We know which ones. Las Vegas. He's not going to directly say that because one, what he doesn't want to do is remove bitters from the field. Sure. Right. He wants to they want to get, you know, close to four or five billion each for these franchises coming in, which is just you know an incredible amount of money coming in uh, to the league. So he talked about that part. And so there's a couple of U.S. cities. Then he said, you know, but internationally is on the table. He talked about Mexico City and how that's the gateway to South America. And they really enjoyed the game there and they're going to continue to play there. And then he said, and if we look, you know, Vancouver is a place we've been in the past. I think Scalabrini might have actually asked Vancouver directly. But then he also, Adam Silver was the one who said in Montreal has reached out to us to express interest. Basketball has grown by leaps and bounds uh, in Canada. It is you know, massively popular. I'm not going to suggest it's on the level with hockey because that would be lunacy. But it is super popular in Canada, um, especially in the big, more urban cities. Um, it is very, very popular. So Toronto obviously does very well. Montreal has a lot of people playing basketball, a large interest, and as does Vancouver out on the west coast of the country. And Vancouver failed for a lot of weird reasons their last time around and it's believed they're much better positioned so to your question on this is just my gut feel says we're gonna get probably within months i think now of the tv deal getting done we're opening the expansion process yep 
that doesn't mean teams will start the next year. No, that, that's probably so. two or three years out. But it'll be, we're going to start the process. We're going to take bids. We're going to go run through everything. I don't know that we go to 34 right away. I think that's too much, too fast. Last time they did that, uh, when they did it over a two-year period with the Heat, the Magic, the Timberwolves, and the original Hornets, the league kind of became a mess because you you just you had these teams that were just awful, and you took a lot of talent on the backs of benches, and it just became very messy for a period of a few years. So I think what we get is two three years. We get the first two, probably Seattle and Las Vegas. And then I think within two three years after that, we may get uh, two more, and I'm gonna guess they might be international cities mm. and by then mexico city will have had years like five six seven seasons potentially of the g league kind of proving itself out does it work does it not work and if it works maybe mexico city gets a team if it doesn't work then we pull out of there entirely and then that opens up maybe vancouver and montreal maybe one team goes into Canada, maybe Louisville, who really wants a team and has really been pushing hard for mm-hmm. a team as well. Uh, you know, people bring up Kansas City, St. Louis, Pittsburgh. There's you know any number of cities, and there's a whole lot of cities that are you know good candidates for this. I just think you know the league's going to be they're not going to go to like forty teams, no, uh, you know that quickly um, with that. So it's it's coming, it's coming. I mean, he's no longer he's not ducking the questions. At all, he, he was like a year ago. Yeah, and for and for several years before that, it was. It's not on our plate right now. We want thirty healthy franchises. It was almost like he was playing the uh, playing the hits, right? Um, with that, so it was. Uh, it was just kind of funny where, um, you know, he he would go through all that stuff. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's it's coming. Like mm-hmm. it's it's no longer. It's not even an open secret anymore. It's just an open thing. Like it's yeah. it's coming and. You know, it's it's now the questions become how many and where. Yeah. Yep. And it'll be exciting to see who gets brought in, uh, what that looks like. And ultimately, uh, well, what this is, we can get way more into it when the time comes, of course. But sure. realignment of the conferences, all yes. that sort of, you know, there's Schedule, a lot of schedules, absolutely. Yeah. a lot yeah. of things that can be tweaked um, at that point. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, good. If you go to 32 or 30 or even 34, this could be your answer to shortening the regular season because you you add more teams, so you don't take games out of the pie. You just mm-hmm. disperse those games across more teams, and that could be a way to come down. I still don't think it's going to happen because you're going to good luck convincing you know the other owners to hey you you can give up like five more home dates or whatever. Good luck with that. I don't yeah. think that's going to be how it plays out, but it could be. It could be maybe the answer, especially if if somebody says, "Hey, we're willing to pay you know, billions for just the in-season tournament." Okay, well, maybe I can give up one or two home dates if that's where we go down the line and those kind of things. But it does open right. up all that, uh, all those possibilities. It's it's going to be fun. I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. So mm-hmm. I'm writing uh, this. I'm actually working on it now. It'll be up hopefully later this week, but early next. I'm writing an explainer of what happens when the NBA expands for spot track. Um, so it'll have all the actual rules um, that that happened because a lot of people over the summer when they were content dry did things like expansion drafts and that, and they, they, they didn't follow the rules and it all got super messy and all that. So I'll write up a whole uh, thing about, um, you know, what the actual rules are. And then we are building on spot track already. It's going to be a while before it'll be available, but we're building an expansion draft tool. That will oh, be cool. ready when the league announces they're expanding. Um, we will have that ready, and you'll be able to go through and predict, uh, pr- predict, uh, protect players, um, and then run through an expansion draft and all that stuff. So we'll, we will have that up later. Also, little sneak preview: we're 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 redoing and rebuilding a trade machine. Um, so that will be Let's ready go. here very soon. Um, and the cool thing is, we're going to give you all kinds of options. There's going to be an option to uh, do a do trades as if there were no trade restrictions at all. Um, so if you really wanted to like jump in the next summer and those kind of things, there will be an option for if there were restrict, like all the restrictions exist. So what can teams do right now? We talked about some of those, right? In the Zach Levine trade, could you know, Philly get him? Well, Philly has to wait. But we're also doing a version where it's you said you said it as if as if it's the trade deadline. 
and all the restrictions that will have lifted by the trade deadline will have lifted, and you can do it there. So we're giving you a bunch of options to play with. We're super excited uh, to roll that out. It'll be, we believe, the most robust and more and more importantly, the most accurate trade machine that you can uh, uh, play with out there that'll be publicly available for everybody to use. Uh, That's exciting. That is certainly exciting. It's something that uh, we'll definitely be checking out quite a bit. All right, we've got a little bit of uh, injury news to run through, and uh, and then we'll call it a day here. I guess we'll we'll start here. Jay Crowder at two months with an ab tear. That does not sound fun. No. <laughs> That's extremely painful. Uh, but at least this isn't a season ender. But nonetheless, he's going to miss uh, some time trying to let this. That would be a difficult thing to to heal up. Like every time you move, you've got to be feeling that. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about a lot of times, you know, if you get you know, like a broken arm or a hand or wrist injury, at least you can run and keep your cardio up. Yeah. But yeah, an ab tear, I don't, I, I don't, it feels like probably that's probably going to be a lot of pool work yeah. to recover from something like that. Probably initially just a ton of rest, yeah. uh, not doing a whole lot for the Bucks on the court. That's kind of a spot where they don't have a ton of depth uh, there. He, he was kind of playing backup three slash four. Uh, for them, Bobby Portis ultimately kind of logs his minutes as the backup uh, five more often than not. They've got other guys they can try out. Andre Jackson Jr. saw more minutes last night as they beat the Bulls. I think he's probably first in the pecking order, but if they decide, all right, we need to go a little bigger, maybe Robin Lopez gets in the mix, Portis slides, and everybody just slides down a spot uh, there with that. So we'll kind of see what does that look like. And then I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Green gets some run. I I like A.J. Green. He's a really good shooter. His G League profile and college numbers are really good, and I think he could probably give them a little something, but but we'll see. And then obviously guys like Pat Connaughton will play a little bit more. Uh, Marjan Bochamp, who's looked better, like he looks like he's really starting to figure stuff out, he'll play a little bit more as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, and so that's where the, the bucks are just going to have to bring in, you know, do it by committee and, and yep. make up for, for this. And then hopefully Jay Crowder will be back yep. uh, in a few months and back to his old self. And no signings coming for the box. They, they don't have any roster spots mm-hmm. open or anything like that. So in their two way spots are probably going to be a ton of help because they've got a, a big guy Marcus Bolden and two point guards and Ty Ty Washington and Lindell Wigginton on their two ways. So uh, maybe you see a two-way move. Maybe one of the two point guards goes and they bring in a wing that can maybe play if they need them to. But my guess is try what you got first and see if you can make it work for the next couple months. All right. And then we also have Larry Nance Jr. who's got a broken rib and he's going to be out for at least 10 days or listing 10 to 14 days uh, to see you know, at that point if Nance can come back again. It can, can be a very painful injury to play through. But uh, Larry Nance, at least this isn't a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. But still... I mean, injuries mounting right now. So 10 days, maybe 14 for Nance. Not uh, not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah, there must be some rule that I'm completely unaware of that the Pelicans can only have like eight healthy players yeah. at any given time because hey, apparently that was you know, what was agreed upon when they were no longer the Hornets. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's crazy because they just can never seem to get healthy. Let's let's uh, want to end on a fun note, though. Sure. Yeah. So Najee Marshall, who is back for the Pelicans was asked about the in-season tournament court. Oh, and <laughs> I, I told you about this before the show. Yep. They said, you know, what do you think of the, the court for the in-season tournament? If you haven't seen the Pelicans court is predominantly purple. Um, very, very purple. And he says, I've seen it. It's pretty cool. It reminds me of Barney. I used to love Barney. <laughs> I, I don't know why. That just absolutely made me laugh. It was you know, one of my favorite little quotes I've seen today. So the uh, the court has triggered some nostalgia, I suppose, from Marjorie. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Whatever works, however you want to, whatever you want to view it as, that's fine. As long as you like it, I think the NBA, that's all they're concerned about. Um, the courts have gotten quite a bit of backlash depending on the floor itself. So if he likes the the purple court, then then great. <laughs> they'll, they'll hey, man, it. if Najee Marshall is out there telling people he loves them and ask them if they love him too, then so much the better tonight. Right. Yeah, we, we need that. In, I don't uh, know if you missed it. Did, 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 you probably weren't a Barney. I guy, wasn't. Right? No, <laughs> yeah, that maybe. was. Yeah, way past my time. My past niece my time. Yep. loved Barney. So I like was exposed to Barney quite a bit back in the day. Our daughter was always, I don't even know if Barney's still on. Um, she was a Paw Patrol kid. That was her like cartoon of choice. Yes. Um, but yeah, Barney was a, what was it? I love you, you love me. 
so yeah, yeah it was it was something yeah. like, and then of course you know i re- I remember in school yes we would change the words <laughs> oh yeah to say other stuff oh yeah um some horrible horrible things of yeah. course of yeah, course, of course. <laughs> but uh <laughs> no i was uh i was a ninja turtle kid and i tried a couple of days ago to show the original ninja turtle cartoon you know to my daughter and uh it is it is not nearly as good as i remember it <laughs> i'm watching it going huh <laughs> this is this is not very good. This is just bad. And she's watching it going, do we have to keep watching this? I said, Oh no, I guess, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I watched, uh, I don't know if it was on YouTube. I stumbled onto a, uh, like, and then I was in a rabbit hole watching old GI Joe episodes. Oh yeah. And like, it was like, yeah, the, the wheels on the cars and trucks and stuff were all going the wrong direction for what direction they actually be driving down the road uh, doing so. But hey, we weren't watching it for the animation back then. We we're watching it for the uh, no one ever getting shot in a GI Joe cartoon, and everybody just uh, parachuting out of exploding planes That's every right. single time. Yep. So because yeah. you, you can definitely do that with yeah. consistency, with consistency, sure. and then and then yeah. at the end, you know, you learn a valuable lesson because you know, uh, what was it again? Uh, oh, how now, did you forget? Now we knowing know, is and knowing's half the battle. Yeah, yeah there it is. <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Yeah, yep. man. I love G.I. Joe. I I still love G.I. Joe. I, mm. I, yeah, I was a big G.I. Joe fan. G.I. Joe comics, much darker yeah. uh, than, the, uh, than, than the TV show was. They they just, I guess, assumed us dumb kids couldn't handle people dying. And then they remember they, they killed Duke in the movie? And then... Uh, oh, did they? they? Yeah, and then people freaked out. And then they changed it because... Earlier that year, they had released the Transformers animated movie and Optimus Prime died in it and people like absolutely lost their minds. So then they'd already animated it, had it ready to go. And at the end, they they put in a thing like, hey, look who's back. Duke's alive still. And it was this whole thing. And I was like, then what the heck did we just have this giant battle for if he's still alive? <laughs> but OK, sure. But yeah, that was that movie got a little little wonky because Cobra Commander turned into an actual snake in that movie and yeah it was a little weird but no good times good times with uh with 80s one of these days we'll do a scheduled nonsense and we'll just run through (laughs) like we'll talk we'll talk voltron and Uh, he-man and thundercats and and all that kind of stuff yeah it'd be great yeah Yeah. one of my buddies he loves thundercats more than like any he might like thundercats more than i like basketball which is saying wow yeah he loves the thundercats that is yeah that's that's some uh that's some serious serious thundercat fandom there yeah big time huh. okay well <laughs> uh maybe we'll have to have him guest for that for that episode yeah, when right? we get to it but i think that'll about do it for today before we go down the uh the path to nostalgia any further do appreciate you guys joining us make sure that you do follow us over on apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to podcasts find the nba front office show and of course on youtube as well hit that subscribe button and don't forget to turn on notifications. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.